0: Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Audra Emerson, and I am thrilled to welcome our guest today, Crystal Beecham, to her Next Play Power Chat podcast. Thank you for coming in today, Crystal.
1: Thank you so much for uh, having me, Audra.
0: Yeah. Crystal is the founder of Student Athletes Unite. This phenomenal organization educates and inspires collegiate athletes to create entrepreneurial ventures and create career opportunities with top companies. Also just announced, Crystal is the founding VC in residence at the W Fund. Prior to founding Student Athletes Unite, she worked for the NFL Players Association as a licensing intern and was an academic counselor at the University of Arkansas. Crystal played basketball for McLennan Community College, where she graduated with an associate's degree, and then Henderson State University, where she graduated in 2014 with her undergraduate degree. Crystal then went on to the University of Arkansas, where she graduated in 2016 with a master's degree in recreation and sport management. Crystal is also the author of the book For the Other 98%, The Ultimate Guide for Student Athletes to Go Pro in Entrepreneurship. That is a long list of accomplishments in a very short period of time, Crystal. So excited to talk with you today. So we met back in May, when you were a panelist on our Building a Playbook for What's Next panel. If any of our listeners missed it, we'll provide a link into to that conversation in the podcast description. But I was so thoroughly impressed with you and just your energy and your poise and the advice that you provided. So I'm excited for our podcast audience to get to know you a little bit better today. So you played basketball at McLennan and Henderson. How did you get started playing basketball and, uh, you know, what age did you start playing?
1: Yeah, so I actually started, I was a late bloomer. Um, I think I was known before as the person that really didn't like sports. I was the nerd that would sit in the bleachers reading a book. And uh, how I got started was I had a, my best friend at the time. She's still my best friend to this day. Um, she wanted my dad to coach her. And so my dad was a coach in the community. He um, really coached boys, older boys. Uh, He coached my two older brothers. And then I was, well, my older brother and my younger brother. And then I was the middle child that didn't play sports. And she said, Crystal, I really want your dad to coach me, but he told me he's not gonna coach if his daughter is not playing. He said, and I was like, okay. So I ended up playing and again, it paid off because I've done I've been able to get scholarships so it definitely paid off but that was like my first time playing and i sucked horribly but <laughs> you know, it was my coach and that was he started to get into um girls basketball and he never really went back to men's basketball like coaching men's basketball after my brothers graduated he started a U team strictly for girls as well because of
0: Oh, wow. So it kind of changed his trajectory, too. He enjoyed coaching the girls. That's great. I love that. I was reading a little bit about you. You mentioned getting a scholarship. You I was reading sort of got late into the sort of college recruiting process, but you hustled you really worked hard to secure your place on a collegiate team and to play college basketball. So can you give us a little sense of the work that you did, um, tell the group about the work that you did to really secure some of those scholarships?
1: Yeah, so um, again, we had no idea about the process. My family, um, thankfully we've all been able to secure like some type of athletic scholarship. going from my brother all the way down, but my mom and dad had no idea. It was more so like, well, we'll just figure it out when we get there. And um, yes, there is this thing like, you know, if you're good coaches will find you. And that is to a certain extent, but you also have to do the work as well. Um, thankfully I had a really good AU coach, not only my dad, but he ended up letting me spread my wings and go to another coach. Um, he said, cause again, like I can only help you so much. And, um, and so they helped me a lot. Um, my AU coach actually paid for my film to get made. So um, mm-hmm. so I can send out to college coaches. So that was really good. Um, that helped me a lot. And what he also taught me was like, again, you have to go out and find them. So he gave me a template. He told me, fill it out, fill out all the information um, and send to as many coaches as I could. He said, but of course research those places because again, if they don't have your majors, you don't need to go there. And so at the time, it was either being a teacher or wanting to be in education or like possibly like psychology. And, um, and so he was like, you know, if they don't have your major, just go on to the next one, but keep sending out those letters. And that's how I was able to like build those relationships with those, with some of those coaches because they were responding back to me, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like, oh my god, they answered. So again, getting <laughs> excited, <laughs> Getting excited for that. And then um, that was kind of like how I started with my recruiting process. And then my mom, of course, did my FAFSA. So I didn't have to do that at the time she was in school. So she did all of our FAFSA. I, still to this day, if you tell me you feel like my FAFSA, I will have no idea. I was like, can I call my mom? This is, this is my <laughs> I cannot do it. Um, And that was kind of like how my recruiting process was, um, just doing it myself and trying to make sure that. I secured a scholarship because there was no way I would have been able to pay for
0: college without it. I love that you just made it happen and you, but it goes to show no success is an individual success, right? You, we always achieve through the people around us and our team and your coach, your mom, your support system all helped contribute, but you made it happen and I love that. So, um, I do want to talk a little bit about your leadership skills because they really do seem innate. Um, right. You, for our listeners, I just want to read a few of the leadership positions that you've held. You were secretary of the Black Graduate Student Association at the University of Arkansas, named to the 2015 NCAA Emerging Leader Seminar, member of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee as well as led the organization at Henderson during terms as vice president and as president. And I counted six additional societies or associations that you were part of during college. Plus you volunteered at five different child and animal welfare nonprofits. So, wow, (laughs) now remember folks, uh, this is all while playing basketball and going to college. So super impressive, but does, a born leader describe you?
1: I would say that, um, but I also believe that no one's gonna help me except me. Mm. And so I've learned to take ownership of like my own journey as well as my mistakes. Um, Cause I used to be on the court, it may be a little different because like, you know, we play as a team and I'm gonna play my role, but if it all comes down to it, I'll take over if me being My coaches was like, she was, was like, well, Crystal, we need to take over because you're being too complacent you're being too fast uh, you gotta be a little bit more aggressive and i was like okay that's what you have to tell me. so but uh but i also again i understand my role but i think like outside of the court or or off the field or off the court um i have to take my own journey into my own hands and i have to make sure that i separate myself from everyone else um and i think i was i have been able to do that not only like in college uh, but outside of college
0: as well so I find it interesting that you say maybe different times you step up into maybe that leader forefront position but then you also it sounds like at times step back and are you know a part of the team and let other people lead I think that that alone goes to show that you are an exceptionally well-versed leader because I think that's something that can take people a lifetime to learn, right? That you need to play a different role in different dynamics. So that's, that's stellar. So how would you describe your leadership style or the approach that you take as you're stepping into those leadership positions?
1: All right. Um... It's funny because depending on who you talk to, I have, they say I have different leadership qualities. Um, Like I understand everyone doesn't communicate the way I communicate and I would, everyone wasn't raised the way I was raised. So I have to make sure that I articulate myself in a way that they understand. Um, And then of course, like my teammates think I'm just a team player. Like I make sure that everything, again, you can get farther as a team than you can alone. And so depending on who you talk to, I have different leadership <laughs> capabilities and um, my leadership skills. show. So, yeah. um, but me personally, um, I believe a leader that is compassionate, um, that is a lover of people um, and that fully, believe- and I believe that I am service minded. Um, Cause again, like a lot of people, they think that I, Or they know me as an advocate for student athletes and entrepreneurship because, again, like this is bigger than me. And uh, I want to make sure that the next generation of student athletes are well taken care of and are prepared for life after sport. Um, So I do believe I am service minded. um, And that's really the reason why my business is a social uh, entrepreneurship business, specifically for that reason.
0: Yeah, no, and that passion, that as you described it, you know, compassion and love for people that service minded definitely comes through. And it was one of the first things I recognized. And I think at her next play, right, we're so passionate about the opportunity that sports can provide girls and women, Uh, they can build the leadership skills that ultimately make them so successful. And so uh, love that you are helping foster that as well and foster their success. And Congratulations on, you know, being named uh, the founding VC in residence at the W Fund. Tell us a little bit more about the fund itself and what it means to be a VC in residence.
1: Yeah. So the fund itself is basically dedicated to uh, founders, um, people of color and women. So um, if you know statistically that a lot of founders of color as well as women don't get a lot of venture capital. And so we're trying to change that narrative. And with that, um, we want to invest uh, pre-seed all the way to Series A. So whether it could be a 100, $100,000 check all the way to $500,000. And that company needs to help them feel a little bit faster. Um, and so we're currently raising about $48 million, So um, we're doing that in the midst of COVID, which is hard in itself. And um, so that's basically what the fund is and uh, who we invest in. And then as far as like the work that I do, um, we I'll basically be helping the managing partners. So whether it is through diligence, whether uh, all the way to the deal flow um, and as well as helping them with the events, even though it's COVID. so most likely we'll be <laughs> we'll be helping we'll be helping them with the events once COVID is over. Um so probably doing like a lot of pitch days, uh, making sure that some of the founders get in front of us uh, so they can pitch their company. And then uh, another component that we're working on is to get more athletes um, in this space and helping them understand. Um, so most likely I'll be running like a most likely workshop or work to workshop about what it is to be a VC and how a lot of athletes get involved in this work.
0: That's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I love it. And you certainly have walked this path, right? You know what it's like to build a startup So, um, tell us a little bit more about Student Athletes Unite and sort of what sparked the idea for that organization.
1: So, um, what sparked it? I actually had a business in college. Um, I had a little company, small company. um, And again, like, I was able to do that, still averaging about 15 points a game, still having a very high GPA, uh, still being able to uh, build these connections on campus, um, again, being the president of SAC, so that has a lot of responsibilities in itself. On top of having a business, and still to this day, I'm like, Kristen, how did you do this?" I'm like, "Well, you didn't get a lot of sleep. That's how you did it." But that was, good. <laughs> but that was kind of what sparked it at like the initial, uh, the initial spark. And then when I went to the University of Arkansas, I saw other student athletes again at a Division One institution, knowing they are also strapped for time more than I was just being a student athlete not doing anything extra and i said well i know i could uh, i could do it and i know if they're trying to do it as well then i know there's a need for this um but one of the problems that i saw at the university of arkansas is the fact that they didn't have uh the resources to actually help them and when you think of the university of arkansas you think of the sec you think of a top five power school and it's like they have all these Programming and all these events going on and all these workshops to better serve the student athlete, But the small group was not being helped and so I kind of saw I basically saw a Problem that I can be a solution to and that was one of the reasons why I started my company Um, at the time when I first started it it was like a two-part company where I wanted to help student athletes with uh, recruiting and the eligibility part, and then also the entrepreneurship piece. Um, and 10 months in, I was doing really well as far as like the recruiting piece. Um, we then added on some uh, physical or uh, I guess physical training. So I brought in three former student athletes. So I ended up having like a team of three plus myself, so four. So I built the team really fast. Um, and my mentor told me, he was like, Crystal, I understand you're still making money, you're doing well. But you have to focus on one thing, and I was like, No, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> I'm making money in one area and still trying to build the other. Like, I think it's. I think I'm working. I think I'm doing well. And he said, Well, Crystal, like, there comes a time when you want to be known for one thing. He said, So what's that one thing you want to be known for? And at the time, I was transitioning um, to Washington State University for the internship position. And he said, and how are you going to keep up with them? Or how are you going to keep up this momentum when you leave? And I said, you know what? You're right. So he said, focus on one. He said, I don't care which one it is. And he said, and do that until you master it. And then you can come back. You can always go back to that. And I said, you're right. And so I decided to focus on student athlete entrepreneurship because at that time, nobody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, of course, a lot of things have, uh, have changed and evolved and some of the past student athletes that i worked with at the university of arkansas they were like you saw this coming before anybody else did like i don't know if you're a prophet or or what's going on like i don't know if you <laughs> right but it's just it's just some things that i wanted to make sure that i was the expert in the field for and this is one of those things so i definitely just decided to focus on one thing and and yeah so that's how student athlete united has evolved and what we do is um through an online accelerator program to teach student athletes how to create businesses
0: that stay eligible in a leadership as a career. That's yeah. And so needed. And yeah, I agree. I think we're starting to see more emphasis in this area, but you really did lead the way with that. So as you started your business, it sounds like you had a mentor and loved that. Did you seek out venture capital? Did you seek out funding?
1: no um at first i didn't want funding because i wanted to fund myself because uh, again i tell people all the time is that i've never had a relationship over two years and so venture capital is like basically marrying someone and i said i don't know if i can do that and um and then when i started my online accelerator program my brother um suggested that i look for some pre-accelerated programs to see like if it's worth um making something where i can get funding to scale faster so i did do the pre accelerator route and um because of that i did win that award or i did win the pitch competition and still it was like um i don't want to go that route like i'll just bootstrap it until we figure something else out um so that's my journey into vc but i do understand that if you have a different type of technology or if you have a different type of IP or something where it needs funding, then definitely go that route. But there are a lot of people that have online courses that do really well without that for funding. Um, so I didn't look for any VC money. Um, and as far as a mentor, it wasn't really like I was looking for a mentor. Uh, he just He just happened to meet through social media and we um, we actually we don't really know how we follow each other, but he was in the doctoral program at the University of Arkansas, he had just started. And that was kind of like our common theme, I guess. And then we just started talking and he actually owns a nonprofit in the Mississippi Delta area. I'm on the board of that now. So that my mentor has allowed me to, um, I guess, be a part of what he's creating in the Mississippi Delta and building welfare amongst black communities. And um so yeah, that was kinda like how we started the mentorship and even to this day, like I can call him up like, Hey, I need help, I need advice. Um and the same way with him, like he does the same thing, um, because he feel like I have evolved over the last four years. And um so yeah, that was still one of my mentors to this day. So shout out to Tim Lampkin if he sees this uh or hears this, uh he's definitely been a really good friend and a good mentor to me.
0: I love that. I think that you touched on something that young adults, I don't I don't know if young adults really recognize or appreciate that the mentor often gets as much out of that relationship as the mentee. And I think mentees walk in and think, I'm young, I just need help, but you're helping them as well. And it is a reciprocal relationship that I just think is mutually beneficial and Important, I think, to remember that you also bring something to the table in those
1: situations.
0: So what is the best and worst thing about owning your own business? Mm
1: -hmm. The best thing is the ability to still stay creative um, and then also making your own schedule. Uh, Because for me, I do travel a lot, Um, whether it is like for business, whether it's visiting my family. Uh, I went to Mejia for a month um, and I was still able to make money, but also still spend time with my family. I had a schedule like from 7 to 12 was strictly for like my business. Um, and then from about 1 to about 3 or 4 was strictly for like my grandparents. So anything that I had to, I helped, um during that time, I would go work out with my grandfather. My grandfather is about 92, 92 years old. So we would work out and then from about 5 till about 8. I would spend time with my mom and my dad when they would come home from work And then from about 10 to about 12, 1 o'clock I would go back to work So any anything that I missed during the day I would come back I would send emails and stuff like that So the flexibility that I had even in Texas Um, I'm able to do that and it's because I own my own business Um, and then I'm still learning ways to make different income within my own business, but was also outside of my business um and then i feel like one of the worst things is again the flexibility uh, because um my parents think i don't do much <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so they're like oh well like for example i just got back from texas and my mom was like oh can you come back and i was like mom i was just there a month and she said well all your all your siblings are coming down and we want to make sure that i take a family photo and like it's Juneteenth, and so we yes. And I said, All right, so again, I was like, All right, I'll just move some things around and then I'll come back. Um, so that's a good thing. And then also, sometimes when entrepreneurship comes with high, low, I think I'm like, that may be a good time where, first six months of the year, you have a lot of income coming in. And then, of course, like, even now with COVID. You, I, I had stuff planned as far as like speaking engagements and paid speaking engagements. And so that was something I had calculated into like my budget. But because of COVID-19, those have not happened. However, um, we are doing work to workshop. So I'll get paid like half of if I was going to go speak. But again, like that wasn't even guaranteed. So um, again, highs and lows as far as like income. But um, other than that, I enjoy it. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done, but it's, I, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world.
0: That's great. I love it. And I mean, you literally wrote the book on entrepreneurship. So if there are uh, those folks out there that are interested and have thought about starting their own business, what advice do you have?
1: I think I'll, don't overthink it. Um, because I think that, a lot of people own things own their business like you have to have all of this capital um you have to have all of these connections with people in high places and you have to like have a big marketing budget um but i think if you start with what you know and who you know then that's all that matters um and then again like you don't you don't expect your business to make a million dollars in the first year or the first two years or the first three years like that's i mean it, it could possibly happen but you know what's the probability of that and but it's like if you can learn to make ten dollars, then you know how to make a hundred dollars. If you know how to make a hundred dollars, you can know how to make a thousand dollars. Um so I feel like people overthink it and then just know that if you start small, you will eventually get bigger. Um and that's kinda like how I did. I started small. I think I'm still like in the middle. So I think within again, like because of the new rules I think have the is going to be Rearranging um, the next three four years could
0: possibly be difficult for me and my business. So yeah, and I'm yeah, the world shifted right, and we didn't have any forewarning in terms of what that was going to be, and it happened so quickly um, that we're all pivoting. Also, I think student athletes <laughs> that are graduating into this new COVID world and and subsequent downturn in the market face unique challenges and, and given the fact that you do work with some of those student athletes looking to get careers and establish companies what advice do you have for them
1: um i think explore your options but also look into LinkedIn, um because what i've learned is that because of covid19 a lot of people a lot more people have more time with their hands and so they're more likely to respond to that DM or to respond to that email um and so that would probably be my best bet if i was going through this and then also looking to the people that i already know and seeing who they know as well um because i definitely believe to, to be the reason separation uh could put you in contact with anybody and so um just work with the contacts you know and then you can see your advantage
0: great yeah good advice very much so I want to shift our conversation a little bit. Um, we talked a a bit briefly before this, but, you know, I live and work in Minneapolis where the killing of George Floyd has sparked, you know, this worldwide protest and renewed awareness on the racial disparities and systematic racism in our country for you personally, what was your reaction to the killing of George Floyd and the subsequent protests?
1: I think it's, I feel like it's a lot of stuff, a lot of things are happening right now. Um, not with them, just because of George Floyd and I had a conversation with someone the other day and it's like, you know, everyone is making out George Floyd to be the martyr. Yes, he had a criminal history, I get that. But it's like, we had Breonna Taylor before that, we had a mob before that, and then now George Floyd. So it's like, we had three, two people back to back that had a, like it was national. And so it's like the third one was kind of like the last straw. And then the fact that it is in the midst of COVID-19, we have all this time on our hands, people haven't been outside. And so it's just a lot of built up anger and frustration that has allowed the protests, the looting, all, everything it builds off of from what has happened, what has happened the last few months. And so, um, I mean, talking to my parents they again have different views than I do and I realized that my children will have different views than I will as well and I said you know like America was built off looting and rioting I said to get the point across and so I was like if that's what the people of Minneapolis has to do to get the point across then that's just what that's just what's gonna happen I said but I do apologize to the people that you know if your, uh, your restaurant was looted or your store was looted um, but you can always get that back but you cannot get a life that. um and so that's my feelings on like the george Floyd and the process and the and everything that's going on with the racial injustices in this world right now
0: yeah and you mentioned you know your parents have a lens because of their life experiences right and each generation i see moving the needle forward and and improving our i think our mutual circumstances but for me personally, I remember, I'm old enough to remember Rodney King. And it just breaks my heart that 29 years later, we're sitting here. We are having, we are still grappling with these issues. And does it feel different to you this time? Do your parents think it feels different that we have some momentum to actually drive some change or or push the needle forward in a bigger way? More monumental way,
1: right? And again, and like you said, my parents are older too, so they remember that, and that was like the first thing that they remember. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, "This is it's is Rodney King all over again." And I, yeah, you know, I was like, "Yeah, it is." And I said, "But I'm pretty sure in California it changed some things." I said, so in Minneapolis it's going to change some things." Uh, Brianna Taylor, it has changed some things for them as well. I said, "Yes, they still haven't convicted like her killers, but like." there's now law in place because of her so I said like there's gonna be some changes and I think even now because of the social like because of social media there are a lot of I guess outpour of acknowledgement of what's going on Um, but also a lot of changes that are occurring uh, within like organizations um, and companies and I we before I left there was this article where they're now going to take Auntie mama off of like the pancake mix and the syrup and stuff and again my grandmother remembers like what the first one looked like and she was like oh i hope her family the family's getting paid from her and that was like the first thing she screamed out because again like they my grandmother is old enough to remember that and um but again it's taken them 130 years for them to acknowledge like well because of how she was how ancient mama came about and because we've been able to profit off 130 years we understand and we acknowledge like our We acknowledge the place that we have in history and we want to make it right So I feel like a lot of people are acknowledging like what's going on and what has happened in the past and just really Apologizing and they're making a change. I feel like that's what's going to happen in our community and our and in the U.S. going forward that people are going to apologize and then acknowledge and then make a change and to help move the needle forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's funny that you bring up the into my because I was listening to a gentleman speak about that this week and he was saying that his mom brought home the bottle and set it on the table. And that was his first lesson in systematic racism. And I just thought that was such a striking moment for me to think. Yeah, that sparked conversations around tables. I think now the beautiful part, as you said, that was an isolated conversation with one family around one table. Now social media allows us to amplify that story. I hear it on, you know, a podcast. I hear it here. You're able to, I think, spread the word through our social media platforms, through podcasts, through these conversations in a way that we weren't able to with Rodney King, that we haven't been able to in the past. And I hope that it does. There's always a downside to it, but I hope that it does help move that needle. So, you know, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that and, you know, your perspective. I really appreciate you sharing that and telling your story and your journey with us. So thank you. But We uh, move on to a little bit funner topic maybe uh, that we have some rapid fire questions for you um, as the next part of our podcast. So um, are you ready? All right. So favorite female athlete?
1: Candace Parker.
0: Oh, all right. Favorite sports team?
1: The Spurs.
0: Favorite Olympic sport? Mm. yeah understandably so yeah but well that is a wrap and i just can't thank you enough crystal for inspiring us with your journey and helping us learn from your experiences thank you so much for being on the podcast
1: thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure I had a lot of
0: fun <laughs> good and that's a wrap thank you for listening to the her next play power chat podcast we hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our Booster Club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.